Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, we are live here at Mavs Sports Take. This is episode 53 in the books. We want to thank everybody before we get going here. That is live, whether you are on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. We appreciate the, the increased support, especially over the last few weeks, but just in general over the 53 episodes. It's been fantastic to see this brand increase. Of course, we are your weekly podcast for sports, business, and more. A lot of the business that you hear about as far as sports world and a lot that you do not. And of course, I'm Ryan Roberts, usually joined by my good friend, David Turner. Have a fun one for you. Unfortunately, David can't be here tonight, but we have some great guests to start us off here. Well, maybe I should say, for the show. So how this is going to work is the first half. We're going to be talking some prospects in depth for the 2022 NFL Draft. And then, of course, we're going to get Mr. James Kirkland on for the second half of the show for Kirkland's Corner to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. We don't know what he's going to talk about, which is why it's such great, uh, such great conversation because it is genuine. It is off the cuff. It is whatever James, of course, James, former scout for the Oakland Raiders, a couple other uh, other teams as well. And he was most recently director of player personnel for the University of Illinois. So make sure that you stay around for that. But of course, I have a good friend here, a part of RiseandDraft.com, Mr. Devin Jackson. Now, Devin does a lot of things. So, Dev, just give us a, give us a little uh, brief synopsis of yourself, man. Where can they find you on Twitter? And what are some of the great things that you're doing in the sporting world? Yes. So uh, I actually recently just started a new job. Uh, I'm uh, working down uh, in, in New Orleans at NOLA.com. I'll be the sports digital content editor for them, uh, kind of helping out with their sports betting uh, kind of initiative as well as covering the Saints and LSU. Uh, two teams I've grown up uh, loving and watching, so definitely uh, a great opportunity. Uh, but in terms of the draft world, uh, like you said, I, I contribute at Rise and Draft. I've already done two pieces, feature pieces, one on Rashad Wisdom and one on KJ Sales, who recently signed with the uh, LA Chargers. So uh, both you can check both those out uh, on RiseandDraft.com. And then uh, I write for BlueChipScouting.com. I'm the uh, Mac and Mountain West uh, area scout. So I, I exclusively cover uh, those two conferences. But, uh, you know, I, I find myself watching all, all types of prospects, you know, from D2, NAIA to D1, FCS. You know, I try to, to hit all the different areas and kind of get a well-rounded uh, kind of, uh, you know, aspect of, of each class. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of the pretty much as sums up all that I do through kind of quite a bit. Uh, but definitely excited to join today and talk some 2022 NFL Draft Prospects. Absolutely. Of course, we want to wish Devin big congratulations on NOLA. That's fantastic news, of course, to continue his sports career. We want to thank everybody again out there. This is a very 
Um, this is a very, uh, a very uh, heavily, uh, sorry, this is a very uh, great podcast as far as interactions. We welcome any questions, any chat room. Throw out some questions. Devin's going to be here for a while. We've got James Kirtland, of course, coming on. We're going to start with 2022 NFL draft process, which is so much fun for me because David Turner doesn't let me talk NFL draft prospects on this for next year's class. So I get to finally dive in a little bit. Before we go, are you an athlete looking to make money off of your name, image, or likeness? Whether you're a male or female athlete, there is a lot of opportunity out there for you to monetize your NIL while going to school. While others are approaching you, they have ulterior motives to gain you as a client later in life. Maverick Sports Consulting is offering you a friend in the business to assist you in finding opportunities, guide you to protective deals that are focused to benefit you. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female athlete, a golfer, a tennis player, football or basketball player, you could be earning money for your name, image and likeness right now. Email Maverick Sports Consulting today and we will start working together tomorrow. Oh, Dev, we got some fans in the chat room. We got Mr. Shane Carter's Dev's been the GOAT. So even before Devin <laughs> became the sports GOAT, he was the GOAT. So I agree with him there. And for this first section here, for this first little little excerpt into the 2022, the first little trip into the 2022 NFL draft, we're going to keep this almost like a hot take section. Maybe not hot take. Maybe we'll just call it a, ta- a draft take section. So I know that we are nearing the end of summer stout we only got a couple weeks left what's up roy roy i heard that devin's gonna be on with you pretty soon here my friend i'll make sure that he's off with us but thank you so much for being a part of the chat room tonight so Devin, we only have a couple weeks left before summer scouting is officially over so i'm you're the guest so i'm gonna let you start us off here give me a take what's something that's stuck with you throughout this process what's something that's kind of been on your mind as far as nfl draft prospects this summer so uh i've watched quite a bit of safety these uh this summer um obviously the the top names you know we got daxon hill brandon joseph um kyle hamilton obviously a, a top five player on my board already uh but i, I want to talk a little bit about the depth of this class and there's one name in particular that i watched kind of at the beginning of uh kind of the draft process and it's kind of stuck with me but i think uh kendra duncan who is a grad transfer uh to louisville this year i think he's a top 10 safety or will at least finish as a top 10 safety in this class. And I know how, you know, talented and how much depth it has, but I think when I watch him on tape and then I watch some of these other guys that, uh, you know, may play in power five conferences, even some of the group of five conferences as well. I just don't know if there's a player that offers what he offers, you know, outside of the top three or four guys, you know, you, you showed the ability to, play in the box, play as a single high safety, uh, play in kind of that dual high safety role, um, and, and really not only read the eyes of the quarterback, but make plays on the football. He has the ball production. You know, he has the ability, uh, the range to, to get from sideline to sideline. I, mean, there's a, a, I watched his game in 2019 against Minnesota, and he made so many plays on the ball. First play of the game, he had almost a pick six, uh, you know, on a pass. I was a little bit behind. But he was right on top in coverage. Then there was a double move layer in the game against Rashad Bateman, who obviously went in the first round uh, of this past year's draft. And he was on top of that, made the deflection at the end of that play as well. Uh, then in 2020, uh, he made a play against Troy where he was started off in the box 
and then got back to the middle of the field and deflected a post that probably wouldn't have went for a touchdown. So he offers all those different things, and I'm very excited to see uh, him in the Power Five now. He's going to be playing for Louisville this uh, season, so he's going to get a lot of tests from Clemson, from North Carolina, from Boston College. So it's really going to show whether or not he could even rise up higher on my board. But I gave him a late third-round grade preliminary. Uh, I think he still needs some work in terms of uh, making tackles in open field, taking better angles uh, in the running game, taking on blockers better uh, in general. But in terms of coverage ability and ability to to really uh, fly on the back end, I think he's he definitely offers that. And I think him at Louisville this year is going to really prove whether or not uh, he can, you know, be uh, a high ceiling guy because I, I really like him. Like I said, I think right now I put him somewhere in the top ten, probably in the seven or eight area. Uh, but I really like his game and think he can translate well to the next level. And I love it too, because he's a part of a transfer duo at safety going to Louisville. Of course, him being the Georgia Southern transfer also have Quinterio Cole transferring over from Alcorn state. Who's another big body safety. So they added some, definitely some length to the back end at the safety position. So Devin, one thing that I, and actually it's funny, man, I had like four notes down as far as like talking points. I want to talk about number four was, this safety class is bananas, like to say the least. It is a fantastic class. You have guys, for me, you mentioned Daxton Hill, Brandon Joseph. Those are kind of your smaller safeties, but they are the true, like they can play too high, they can play center field. Those are your guys that are playing on the roof. Like those are those types of true free safety prospects. Then you got guys, of course, Kyle Hamilton, number one in the class, but you have Isaiah Palomoa from USC, who's a big 6'4 safety. You got uh, Sterling Weatherford from Miami, Ohio, who is another 6'4, 220-pound safety. You got Kendrick Duncan, that's 6'3, 220 pounds. So my question for you is, because I feel like those guys can be used in different roles to a degree. Like Kyle Hamilton plays a ton of single high free safety for Notre Dame just because he's the best athlete on the field. But in reality, he's probably going to be a too high guy. He's going to come down in the box a little bit. They're going to kind of use the versatility. For me, what would you say is Kendrick Duncan's best role the next level? Is he a true split field safety? Is he a guy that you're trying to get down near the line of scrimmage more? Like, what do you think is his preferred role at the next level? I think right now, because of some of the issues he has tackling in the open field, like he has the body size to play in the box, and he's shown kind of those instincts and skills too. But I think right now, I probably have in a dual safety role. I think you can he can take half of the field away. Um He's shown the ability to uh, play man-to-man coverage in the slot as well as, you know, take on some of those double moves that uh, some of the outside receivers are uh, throwing at him. So I think right now probably dual safety, I want to see him tackle better just in general and playing the ACC is going to provide that because it's not like they can't tackle, but sometimes his technique, he tries to go for the big, big hit, you know, try to impose his will. I think that that kind of causes, causes some issues, but – in terms of versatility, I, I expect Louisville to use him kind of all over the field because uh, that's kind of the skill set he can bring to the table. Uh, but I think right now, probably the dual safety role. I love it, and I love it. And so for my first take of the night, this is definitely a hot take. So if people aren't listening right now, they're probably going to go back to this in a couple months. So you mentioned already you cover the Mountain West, and I know we kind of had a little bit of a conversation about Trey McBride, the tight ends out of Colorado State. So if we're talking right now, and this is my hot take, so get ready for it. So I think stylistically he is similar to a Jalen Widermeyer from Texas A&M. Okay, let's start there. They're both big body pass catchers. 
win at the catch points. They can elevate with ease. They're big body guys, so you would assume that they're tremendous blockers. My hot take here is I prefer Trey McBride over J- Jalil Billings. I'm Jalil Billingsley over Jalen Widermeyer, the tight end from Texas A&M. I prefer him, and I'll tell you why. Because when I look at Jalen Widermeyer, I see 6'5", 255, 260 pounds, great body. Absolutely. It's tremendous frame to work with. What I see, though, is there's only one way that I see him make create separation. That's in the air. And that's fine. He's a big body tight end. That's valuable. That's absolutely valuable. Winning at the catch point, having hand strength, winning through contact, important. There's no doubt. I'm not downplaying. The problem is, though, I don't see him create separation in any other way. I don't think he's a great route runner. I think he's a little tight. I don't think he's this tremendous straight line athlete where like, hey, matched up against some linebackers, he's going to be able to just straight line, run away from guys, be a seam buster. I don't see that type of athlete. So I see a guy that wins in one way. Similarly to how I see Trey McBride. I think Trey McBride's a little tight as well. I don't think he's the greatest straight line athlete. I think he's good. I think Weiermeyer's solid. I don't think that he's like detrimental in that area. So I think that they both win in similar ways in the passing game. But why I prefer, uh, at least in my opinion, why I prefer Trey McBride is, one, I think that his hands are better than Jalen Weiermeyer's. I think he wins through contact better. But the biggest separator, because, hey, Trey McBride is six foot four, 260 pounds himself. Like, dude is a big boy. He's not small. He's got a big frame. He's got some massive hands, 10-inch hands, verified. Why I prefer him is he is so much better of a blocker. Like, so much better. It's not even a close conversation for me. This kid is used everywhere from traditional inline, H-back, split out, split out wide as a big slot. He's used everywhere. And they hone in on his ability as a blocker, whether that's blocking in space or blocking from a traditional tight end alignment. And, like, let's be honest, man, there are things to improve at times for Trey McBride in the run game. But when we're talking about working against second and third level defenders, dude annihilates people. Like, doesn't just win reps. Like, puts them on their back consistently. So I would love to hear your reaction. I'm saying right now, right here, leaving the summer, Trey McBride over Jalen Weidermeyer. My opinion. Listen, I, I don't hate the take at all. I, me and you have been pretty much aligned on on Trey McBride and what he brings to the table. Uh, he's someone that I loved even last summer before you know he even uh, you know before the COVID year, obviously, and, and kind of uh, you know took away some games for Colorado State last year. I think he only played three or four games uh, in 2020. But I, I don't hate the take. I think it's I'm. I'm just a little worried about McBride in terms of how how are they going to weigh, you know, kind of the, the competition, obviously, because we know how much the NFL loves the pedigree of SEC players playing against, you know, big-time opponents every single week. And, and you know, but in, the take in general, I don't think is, is bad at all. I think it's pretty spot on in terms of how Widermeyer wins versus McBride. And, I, I I think it's a great take. You know, I, I don't think I'll go as far as to do that, but I mean, McBride has already been solidified as a top five tight end to me in this class. So between him and Widermeyer, I mean, if you you know prefer McBride, I I wouldn't hate it at all. I think it's you know when you look at what McBride offers to the table. I mean, we know Widermeyer is you know a, a pretty good athlete, but you know in, in terms of the two, I'd probably take McBride 
pride over Watermark as well, you know, just from what he can offer you. And he lines up in so many different uh, positions. He can block from, you know, like you said, the the backfield, from the age back spot, from a true inline spot. I mean, Watermeyer does not bring that same type of versatility uh, in the run game. So he's going to exclusively, at, at the very least right now, be a receiving type tight end where basically you got to get matched with him you know he like you said his route running is, is very spotty right now uh it's not the most developed and, and not to say that he can't develop it more because i think he can but mcbride just has more it, you can tell he's more nfl ready right now and if you put him on an nfl field right now i think he he would perform a little bit better uh at especially in the first couple of seasons i think that watermeyer would be uh, as, as his current development right now yeah, and just to kind of put context to it, I still like Jalen Wildmire. I don't want people to be out there and say I, I don't like him. I did a preliminary evaluation on both players, which is why this take came from. Jalen Wildmire got a late third-round grade, so hey, still a good grade. I gave Trey McBride a late second, though. So just to kind of put that in concept, uh, context, I'm talking late second versus alert late third-round player, both obviously potential to go top 100, I think. I think that there's definitely that outlook for, for both players. For me, I just – there's just something about Trey, man. Like I, there, I love comps. I know some people don't, aren't big comps guys, but like I watched him play for you know. I watched two games, and then a comp came to my mind, and then I watched another two games to kind of solidify it. It reminds me so much of Brent Selleck that played you know for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles for a long time, and people kind of have this. They kind of have this pre, not preconceived, but they have this lasting uh, uh, opinion. Of Brent Selleck, they remember him later in his career with Zach Ertz when he first got there, where he was a number two tight end who was just used as a blocker, was a secondary option at the tight end position as far as receivers. But go back and look at what Brent Selleck was doing early in his career. We're talking about a 900-plus yard a season tight end for like three or four years there. So he was an accomplished receiver, and he was a dog in the run game. That's kind of what I see with McBride. I gave Jalen Weiermeyer a comp to Brandon Pettigrew that came out of Oklahoma State, who was a good contributor for the Detroit Lions had a couple 60 plus catch seasons just nothing dynamic about him and there were just some struggles in the run game he just was never that complete tight end so just to put the context there Devin let's do one more each and then I think James Kirkland is already waiting backstage for us so we'll get him on here and I would love to hear his opinion on maybe that level of competition debate in a second but let me hear your next hot take um so my next hot take so we know how much the NFL loves kind of those gadget guys, speed guys that can do a little bit of everything. We saw Tutu Atwell, the win escort go early rounds uh, last year. I think Calvin Turner Jr. from Hawaii will be that guy this year where he he completely comes out of – he doesn't come out of nowhere, but his profile, his kind of background is, is so – he's a former quarterback – um, actually, he, he went to Jacksonville University uh, to be a defensive back. He got switched to quarterback and played option quarterback. <laughs> then he transfers to Hawaii. He plays running back, receiver, and wildcat quarterback for Hawaii. So watching his film was probably the most fun I've had this summer because he does a little bit of everything. And you see the explosiveness. You see the ability to make people miss it field creativity and you know i it, it, we got to a point 
league where, you know, it does not matter, uh, you know, too much whether or not, you know, the size, you know, whether or not you come from a, a big school or not. Because the NFL proved last year, year that if you have speed, they're going to find a, a role for you. And for Turner, he's really entering his second true season as a, a receiver uh, slash running back. So he's going to grow more and more. But he has natural vision, natural ability to make people miss in the open field, um, can just explode with the ball in his hands. Um, and I think he's going to improve a little bit more in terms of our running wants. Um, you know, he, he can do a little bit better stacking defenders, in when, especially when he's attacking vertically. Uh, his size is, is going to be a bit, I think, a bit of a problem in, in some people's evaluation because he doesn't have the long reach. You pretty much got to manufacture touches for him. But I think he's going to test really well. Uh, as an athlete, I mean, he played three different positions, and, and I, I just love his game. I gave him a preliminary mid-third-round grade, um, one of the highest I gave for a Mountain West prospect uh, outside of, like, Carson Strong. I actually gave him a higher grade than uh, Romeo Dukes uh, from Nevada. So that's just how much I like him and, and what he brings to the table. I love it, man. And I love the context because I actually brought him to the table for the College Gridiron Showcase. We were talking running backs a couple weeks ago, and I brought him there because I didn't know which group to put him in. Because like you said, the guy not only was recruited to play defensive back, but he played defensive back at Jacksonville as a freshman and had 53 tackles and six pass breakups. Like He was productive defensive back there. Then next two years, option quarterback, 32 touchdowns rushing in those two years. Comes to Hawaii, they use him a little bit of everywhere. I've seen him run Wildcat quarterback. I've seen them trade traditional handoffs, run an inside zone. I've seen him in the slot. A lot of fun things about Calvin Turner. So I love that mention. Last hot take for you guys before we get James Kirkman on. Uh, this one, again, I think is going to be a little hot for some because every mock draft I see right now usually has one center in the first round. They have Tyler Linderbaum, who is the fantastic center from Iowa. And to paint the picture of Linderbaum, he is 6'3", 290 pounds, former wrestler. Of course, he plays at Iowa, so he has to be a, a wrestler at some point in his life. And this kid is like Jason Kelsey-esque, Garrett Bradbury-esque. Like if you were a true wide zone, outside zone system that asks your center to get out on the move, to be able to have long reach steps, like not just a reach step where you're reaching a one tack or a, a true nose. Like my man is reaching – three techs and he's getting there because he is a special athlete at the position. The problem is six, three, two ninety, right? There's some limitations as far as power. Like there just naturally is. He has decent grip strength, but there is just some times where like, Hey man, he just doesn't have a ton of length. He doesn't have a ton of power. So some bigger interior defense linemen are going to give us some issue. So here's the issue with this. And here's the take comment. Tyler Linderbaum could very well be the first center off the board if I'm talking about like, hey, the Minnesota Vikings, or I know they have Bradbury still, but like a team like the Minnesota Vikings or now the New York Jets or the San Francisco 49ers, what are these teams that run a high percentage of outside zone? That is where he fits best. The issue here, though, is I don't think Tyler Linderbaum is going to be the first center off the board. One, because there's not a lot of teams – that are going to stylistically like him. There's not a lot of teams that run, you know, a high amount, a high volume of outside zone. There just isn't. So that immediately, hey, says the field is larger than what the demand might be for a guy like Linderbaum. 
And then the other big reason is I think this is an excellent center class, excellent center class. And I think there's two players for me that people are underrating right now. They're overlooking a little bit, which is pretty insane because one guy's from Notre Dame, which cranks out offensive line prospects, okay? And I'm talking about Mr. Jared Patterson, who's entering his third year now starting at center for Notre Dame. They were toying with moving him out to guard or even tackle this year because he's that good of a football player. Now, this kid is 6'4 and a half, 300 and 305 pounds. He is a bigger body offensive, uh, bigger bodied center. He reminds me a little bit of Alex Mack, who has been one of the best centers that we have seen in recent, you know, in the last like 10, 15 years in the NFL, one of the better centers. The reason that I like Jared Patterson so much is not only is he a good athlete, but he has length for me that whether you are a heavy outside zone scheme, whether you are a traditional gap power scheme, I think that he can project to both. And I think that he can be very good. I gave him a very high second round grade. I'm finishing up Linderbaum now. I think he's going to be in a similar ballpark. And then a guy that I had almost the same as, as uh, Patterson, I think he was a couple points lower. Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, who I don't think a lot of people are talking about. I don't think a lot of people have watched, to be honest with you. My man is six foot four, 310 pounds. And I will tell you, Devin, I watched, um, I watched Cunningham, the left tackle, and I just kept writing down on my notebook, 51, 51, the center. And I will tell you, when offensive linemen pop out on film, man, that's pretty rare. It doesn't happen a ton because you really have to have, you know, you have to have your eyes trained well to kind of fixate on some offensive linemen. And he got just popping out. So I was like, I don't know who he is. I went and looked. Like he made like fourth team all SEC or something like that last year as a true sophomore. Um, wasn't like the highest recruit of all time. But I go back and watch four games of him. Fantastic, man. Like some people are going to compare him to Frank Ragnow, and I'm okay with it because I think that he has the length. I think he's incredibly physical. And I think the flexibility is really nice. I don't think his foot quickness is quite to the Jared Patterson and definitely not to a Tyler Linderbaum, but I think that not only can he play in both systems, I think the flexibility he has is pretty rare for an interior offensive lineman. He gets put, and this is going to happen sometimes when you're reaching, your body gets contorted in some weird angles, and some guys are going to fall over because their ankles are tight. They don't have a ton of flexibility. They're not able to redirect and then work to your set, uh, to the um, to the upfield shoulder. Like They're not able to do that. This kid can. He's flexible. He can get himself out of trouble. I really like uh, this, I really like this center class, but I really like Ricky Stromberg. I've done two mock drafts so far. I gave J.R. Patterson the first center off the board. I've had Tyler Linderbaum go in the first round of both of them. The other mock draft, I had Ricky Stromberg going high, like number 12 overall, which is high for a center. But, man, I think he's an excellent football player, to say the least. Uh, Deb, I don't know how many of those guys you've watched, but if you want to just maybe throw out some thoughts on any of them, if not, we can move on to James. Just want to give you the option – or the ability to kind of give some context to my evaluation. Yeah, uh, Linderbaum is someone that, you know, has been, I think, kind of in the spotlight the last couple of years. I, obviously, I was as produced Tristan worse than Oliver Jackson. Obviously, got drafted last year. Uh, there was talk of Linderbaum maybe uh, entering draft last, last year uh, as well. So he's definitely someone that I've watched uh, before in terms of, uh, you know, just in passing and just in general. Uh, but Ricky Strong is actually someone that I did watch. Uh, and I came away some uh, very similar state you had in terms of flexibility, uh, ability to climb to the second level, uh, and really do some impressive things at the center position. And, you know, the center position has become more and more important in the NFL. You know, you got to have a good center. 
contender to really get to that that next level in terms of being a championship contender. Uh, and you mentioned the Vikings. Uh, they should be calling uh, the name of one of these three guys next year, you know, because they're going to be immediate, uh, I think, uh, upgrades to what they have now in, in Garrett Bradbury. I know disrespect to him, but I think their ceilings and upside are, are much higher than what he offers right now. But, but in terms of uh, Stromberg, he's someone I really like. Uh, and, and really, I think quite a few people at Lucha Scouting actually like him as well. Tyler Browning did a report on him, and he I gave him, I believe he gave him a second round grade as well. Uh, but yeah, Stromberg is someone really, really impressive. I really like what he brought to the table. Uh, he was someone uh, like you. I wasn't even watching at the time. I was watching uh, Felipe Franks at the back end of 2021, and then obviously Traylon Burks. And he just kept making plays, kept moving bodies. And, and, and you know, when you see someone constantly do that, you know, you got to sit down and watch him. And I came away extremely impressed. And, you know, you that's the best part about scouting, I think, is when you're not even watching the guy that you set out to watch and then he keeps keeps flashing, keeps flashing. And that's ultimately what happened with, with uh, Kendrick Duncan, because I, I was actually watching uh, Tanner Morgan. Uh, when I when I was uh, you know evaluating uh, kind of film heading into this year, and Duncan kept making play after play, so I knew I had to go and watch him. So uh, you know, getting back to the center uh, discussion, I haven't watched Jared Patterson yet, but, but I've heard good things about him and definitely plan on watching him uh, before the season starts. But uh, I could definitely see Stromberg being selected ahead of Linderbaum for sure. I love it, man. I love it. So, Stromberg, if people haven't watched him, I would go take a look. The best thing about Ricky is I really like this film in 2020. Apparently, he's reshaping his body. He's taking off some bad weight, put on some good stuff. So, if flexibility was good with some bad weight on him, I can't wait to see the flexibility and the core strength that he has heading into 2021. Popping James Kirkland on in just a second. Before we do, are you looking for coaching on how to tackle interviews or how to prepare for the professional environment after your college career is over? Contact Maverick Sports Consulting to help you be prepared as scouting pulls through your school as you as you meet with boosters and sponsors to ensure you and your you and you can see the opportunities in front of you and you're prepared to take advantage of that. Use the same training that has been proven to work on Odell Beckham Jr., Todd Gurley, Dante Fowler Jr., Marcus Peters, and many, many more. If you want to invest in your career that has a proven track record of working, contact Maverick Sports Consulting today. Popping in James Kirkland, former NFL scout, most recently director of player personnel at the University of Illinois. Of course, Kirkland's Corner coming up here. James, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. What's up with you? How y'all doing, man? Fantastic, man. See y'all got these hot takes going on with these uh, (laughs) – These college prospects, I like it. I like it. James, David doesn't let me talk 2022 NFL draft, man. He says it's too early, and I think it's kind of crazy. So I, I, he wasn't going to be on. I'm like, I'm talking 2022 NFL draft prospects. It has to happen, you know? It's early. It's early. early. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm watching some – I've been watching some 2022 guys myself, um, and ultimately it's like, okay, I'm watching this dude. I get a good feel for him, but it's – you know, he's got another year left. Let's see what he does with his last year. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, well, usually, James, usually in, the, 
usually in the summer, I'm just taking notes, you know, and I'm just kind of leaving those notes, see how the progression works. But, you know, I'm a part of the media, brother. So I had to do some reports this year, you know, some preliminary reports. So it's what it is. I guess I'm blessed, go and everything. You know what I mean? So that's that's one good thing about the media is most of the time you all are ahead of the curve. Um, You know, the other stuff, you know, the other stuff can be (laughs) topsy-turvy, but, you know, it's all good. You know, I was sitting over here, I was listening to y'all and I was just popping these guys on and watching their little YouTube highlights or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, Turner, Turner looked interesting. You know what I mean? Looked at Linda Baum, you know, all those guys. So, you know, looked at the tight ends. Was it Weidemeyer and somebody yeah. else? The kid from Colorado State, I guess. Yeah, Trey McBride. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so. This is awesome, man. I, I, see, I always <laughs> drop knowledge to David. He doesn't take any notes. You're, you're looking up guys while you're in the back of room, dude. Like, hey, man. Man, look, one, one thing I've learned being in this business for a while, you better have an open mind. You better believe that. If you got a closed mind and you're not willing to listen to what's really going on and anything new that's different from what you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna down the vine. You're gonna down the vine. Find it something. So, you know, it's just like now, like you're talking about offensive linemen. Like a lot of these offensive linemen I watch now, they you know. It's uh, it's a different game, right? You talked about Alex Mack. You know, yep. I was with the Browns when we drafted Alex Mack in the first round. Alex Mack was a physical dude. He's a role grader. He was big. He could run. All of that stuff was there. Now it's kind of like, you know, can they get in the way and can they stay in the way? That's kind of the, that's kind of just the the, the base criteria. You're not really moving people, so um, yeah. you know you have to get used to that. You know, it's a different deal. Yeah, now for sure, and that's why. Hey, that's why they made wide zone, right, baby? You're just getting in front of guys, and you're and you're riding that wave, and you're getting yeah. you're making that little cutback lane. Like that's it, yeah. you know. And so, let the back and let the back figure it out. That's it. You know? That's it, man. And that, that's the funniest thing. And, you know, talking about like a high school coaching thing. Like I remember, like trying to teach running backs, like, "Hey, man, you're running inside zone, but usually it doesn't hit front side. You need to be patient at that backside A and B gap." And they're like, "Wait, what? I'm I'm, I'm cutting back here, like, yeah." Just ride the wave, man. It'll it'll bring you there. It'll bring you there. Press the press the hole and find yeah. daylight. That's your job. That's it, man. That's it. Yeah. yeah, man. So James, James Kirkland's corner, man. Kirkland's corner. I know. Hey, we could talk about this all night, but you. This is my favorite segment. Every time we have you on, because I don't have to prepare anything. This is all you, baby. So. Yeah, I- <laughs> Hit us with some knowledge. What are you thinking about? It's real simple. I mean, really and truly, all I've been watching most most uh, I've been watching a lot of things, but the thing that's uh, kind of been had me interested of late is the young quarterbacks. Obviously, um, getting the, get those guys getting their first preseason action, what they look like. You know, you hear all the talk, man. I'm telling you, man, Mac Jones gonna start week one. It's kind of like, eh, you know, slow down. You know, Zach Wilson, does he really look like does he look like um the number two guy in the draft and the savior? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I thought all I thought honestly, I thought um of all the guys I've watched, um, the guys that stood out, honestly, were the guys that could run around a little bit, you know. Um, you know, I think it's something to be said nowadays for the quarterback that can move by time, run, and throw on the move. Like, those are the guys that make it now. So Trey Lance showed up, made a couple of nice plays down the field, one with his feet, one with his one with his arm. You're like, okay, like, 
this guy, this guy's gonna be okay. Like Mac Jones was more of a, you know, he was more of what you expected, kind of traditional. Everything's in order, going to the right place with the ball, all of that kind of stuff. So um, it's just been interesting to kind of watch these guys, um, you know, kind of get started with their careers. Like I watched Trevor Lawrence, you know, I watched every snap he took. Um, you know, I thought he did some nice things. He made a really nice throw on a on an outcut. Um, but like he also took a few sacks too, which was something you saw carry over from from college. You know what I mean? And I had a chance to do him in high school where I mean it's a little bit of his MO. Like that's kind of what he does. If it's not there right now, if it's not kind of plain, he's gonna hold it and he's gonna take sacks. So um you know, that's that's really what I've been doing. The one guy that I thought was interesting was Kyle Trask. Um, now, he's a, you know, obviously he's he can't really run, you know, but he's a big man and he can normally get it in the area. Like he he, he does a good job of putting the ball in a place where his receivers can catch it. Um, so I, I enjoy I enjoy watching these young guys, but. Uh, the other part I enjoy is listening to the media project who's going to be playing in week one and, you know, who's got to start right now. It's just like all of them, honestly, all of them look like rookies. All of them. As basic as the first week was, all of them look like rookies. So, you know, obviously Mac Jones, what that reminded me of was Brady Quinn. If you If you go back and look at Brady Quinn, his rookie year, his debut against Detroit, the fans went nuts. He was the future of the franchise. This dude, <laughs> this dude was efficient throwing the football. Like everything was beautiful, but didn't quite work out that way. So you gotta let it, gotta let it play out a little bit. So that's kind of what I've been on is the uh, young quarterbacks, and then obviously college football. Lord have mercy. <laughs> what is going on in college football? Um, so now it sounds like we got we got the Pac-12, Big 12. Was it Pac-12, Big 10, and ACC are going to, you know, align, come together against, you know, and compete with the SEC. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on this? Y'all are college guys. Y'all, y'all pay attention to what's going on in the college world. I have my thoughts, but Let's throw it out, though. What you thinking? I, I, I want to hear Devin first, so I can collect my thoughts. Go ahead, Devin. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not really feeling it, to be honest. Um, I I don't I don't see why they should go ahead and do it now. Like, I understand that you know the SEC is trying to get all these different teams in, but I don't think banning all those different conferences together will stylistically work. Um, just in terms of scheduling, in terms of, uh, you know, the teams that are within those conferences. Because, I mean, you look at the ACC, I mean, it's pretty much Clemson right now that's at the top by themselves, you know, in, in terms of talent, uh, you know, coaching, et cetera. And then there's, you know, a lot of teams that are on the, on the come up, but not necessarily there yet. You know, with North Carolina, obviously, Miami starting to kind of get their swag back. But when I look at those you know, potentially aligning. I, I, don't, I just don't see how it's going to work, you know, because you got teams like Ohio State and Clemson, particularly, who have been there to the college football every year. And, 
you know, they, they pretty much are head and shoulders above the rest of their conference. So why would they join all these, these two other conferences where, you know, basically they got their equal that they're potentially playing against every year, you know, before they even get to the college football playoffs. So I look at that and then, you know, like I said, stylistically in terms of scheduling, you know, there's some rivalries that may get, you know, thrown out and whatnot. So I, I think just in general, I don't, I don't like the idea. I understand that their reaction like to the SEC getting Oklahoma and Texas is like, we need to do something, but I don't think that's the best solution at the at this point, I, I think it's we- I think it's weird, man. Because I mean, I'm just like thinking about it a little bit. So obviously, it's a direct. It's directly because, like, hey, the SEC is trying to get all this firepower. They're trying to get the you know they're making their own super conference. Like, let's call it what it is. Bringing in like an Oklahoma, yes. and they're they're basically eliminating the, the threat of the Big Twelve. Like the Big Twelve. I mean, who's coming out of there now that Oklahoma's out? Like TCU, right? Iowa State. So like, my thing is like, yeah. obviously. You're gonna make a. You're trying to make a super conference. The committee of the SEC. They kind of forced your hand. It seems. What yeah. What is the better? My question is like, and I love if you answer this, James. Is there a better alternative to it? Because like, are they? Who, what is the Big Twelve going to do? Start plucking a couple Mountain. I mean, look, Pac twelve. Like Pac twelve is going to start plucking a couple Mountain West teams. Is the Big Twelve going to start going to the FC, FC, FCS and try to get a couple of those teams up? Like. I don't know if it. I, I don't know. I just feel like if if something doesn't happen where they all align, do the conferences just die? Like, are they ever going to get back to to competing with the SEC? You know what I mean? Woo! So if you remember the first Kirkland's corner, we talked about when that case, when the Austin case went down and the NIL thing went down, that yeah. it was going to be absolute chaos. There's going to be it's going to be the Wild Wild West again. Like you turn it into, in a lot of ways, you turn it into professional tackle football now. Like you got cats opting out of high school to go play in college so that they can so that they can get their money up. I just saw somebody else signed a big NIL deal today. So the oh, response, yeah. J- J- JT Daniels, Bojangles, right? Correct. Was that what it was? Correct. Yeah, <laughs> correct. So so now, like, all of this is a response to, all right, we got we've got to figure out how to make more money we gotta we gotta widen the pie on this money thing so why would texas and oklahoma go to the sec why is more money in that conference there's more tv money there's more bowl money like that's where the national championship national championships goes through the sec now those other conferences honestly i think they're grasping at straws because so you know, what happens, let's just say, let's just theoretically, let's say Ohio State and Michigan opt out of the Big Ten and go to the go to the SEC. Now what? Now what? All the blue bloods, except for SC, are in Notre the Dame. SEC. Don't get Notre Dame. I mean, there's Notre Dame. Look, I, don't, don't start all due respect to Notre Dame. All due respect to Notre Dame. You know, respect the dome. My man Lake Dawson is a Lake, is a Notre Dame guy, but I mean Notre Dame has been in the mix, and they kind of don't match up. They're good enough to get there. It's coming, but, but I mean, would they get there if they play the SEC schedule? I don't know. Well, not, I, 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 that's that's just speculation on your part. There's no facts to back this up. Sustained, sustained, just <laughs> pure opinion. That's why I say, you know, hey, much respect to Notre Dame. But, 
I mean, all the blue bloods in the SEC. So now what? So all this is about is trying to make an attractive package for television to come in and pay these conferences. That's the deal, period. Because ultimately, I don't. I, ultimately, I'm not sold that any of them can really compete with the SEC, particularly if you bring Texas and Oklahoma in the mix. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's just not a. It's just not happening. So. Yee, yee. Really sticky in college football right now. It really is, sticky. Really I mean, we, sticky. Talked about, we talked about it. Bryce Young, the quarterback that's going to be at Alabama, has made almost a million dollars in NIL deals. He's thrown 22 passes in college football so far. So not even, you know, just talking about the, the money side of everything. It's going to be crazy. Uh, James, if I can, though, because I think there, uh, we this is another conversation that we can go to, you know, we can go on for three hours. <laughs> All night long. Believe it. Seriously. That. So let, let's go back to your first point because we didn't really talk a ton about it, right? Let's talk about these rookie quarterbacks. I think what would be cool is if we go – let's go first-round quarterbacks here and let's predict when they will start because I know you love talking about the speculation of where they're going to start. So why don't we, we start with you, man? Any chance – let's start with Trevor Lawrence. Let's start with number one. Any chance that Trevor Lawrence is not the starting quarterback week one, you give him Gardner Minshew any shot there. Trevor? Can you hear me? Oh, he's frozen. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. He's there. All right, James, let's start with you then. I okay. think you might have Yep. I would say more than likely he's going to be the starter. Um, I, I like Minshew. I think he's a tough dude. I think he's a, I think he's a good little player, but I think, I think the whole purpose of having Urban Meyer there um, – Drafting Trevor Lawrence, I think I think the whole purpose of that is to put those two together and let them kind of work through it, you know, grow together and grow grow the championship football at time. So I think I think now they're going to take the time. They're going to take the time, you know, let Trevor learn on the job, let him take his lumps, and they're going to go ahead with him right now. I, th- I don't think there's any chance that he's not the starter. I agree. I agree completely on that one. So let's go right to number two. You talked about him already. I think Dev might be able to hear us. So Devin, prediction here. Zach Wilson, easy money, right? Number two. In terms of, is he going to start? Yeah, start week one. I think he started oh. the first preseason game, right? So that's easy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's definitely going to start. I, I don't think they uh, they have a plan to not start at this point. Um, the from what I've seen, at least uh, through through Twitter videos, he's taken most of the starters reps, and I, I don't see uh, anyone really challenging him from the job. Just looking at who's on their roster right now, so I, I definitely yeah, I don't say yes. I don't think they have a guy on the roster that's throwing a pass in the NFL. So just to put that yeah. into perspective as well, I think James, we can, we can skate past that one pretty quick, right? Yeah, new coach, new coach, brand new quarterback. Let's grow together. All right. Well, hey, number three overall pick. This one's a little interesting because we saw the flashes of Trey Lance. You mentioned Mac Jones a little bit. Like it took Mac mm-hmm. Jones eight to get he, – he had to throw – he had to complete 13 passes to get the 80-something yards, right? Trey Lance did that in two throws. So yeah. uh, just right. put, that, put right. that in perspective. Um, of course, they have Jimmy Garoppolo, whose record historically with Kyle Shannon is fantastic. He's been to a Super Bowl, um, playing him a lot of money. He's still in the, in the door. 
James, if what what do you think is going to happen week one? If it is not Trey Lance week one, when do we see him? Do we see him this year? I think I think you're you're doing everything you can not to have to play him because even though he did make some big plays, he 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 threw some balls too now. Like being where you you know you playing third base, it's like man, this is ball nineteen. Like so, he he missed some throws. He missed some throws in 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 that in that first appearance. So I think he's got some more growing to do. He's a little bit raw. Uh, there are times you see his his feet are straight ahead, but he's throwing the ball over here. So you know he's got some mechanic stuff he's got to work out. And then obviously you know speed of the game, and then as as it gets more complex. You know, he he would probably struggle a little bit more. So I think you go with Jimmy G, go with the proven guy, the guy who gives the best chance to win to win right now. So I expect to see Jimmy G, but I I think you try to hold off on playing this kid at all unless you're out of it. Man, I was so big on Trey Lance. The one thing that drove me crazy, and you just talked about it technically, dude. Why is your lead foot pointing completely in a different direction than where you're throwing the football? It doesn't make any damn sense. It's so weird. I don't I don't understand. It's it's like <laughs> It I don't does know if, if you got away with it. If you got away well, with yeah, it, then that's yeah. I mean, Pat Mahomes can get away with it, but I feel everyone's trying to be Pat Mahomes right now. But, you know, <laughs> that's a different conversation. Um, I'm actually going to have a little bit of a disagreement, just slightly. Okay. Because in a Good. real world, in a real world, I would like Mr. Trey Lance to say it a little bit, but I think – so he threw like 300 total passes in college because he played one year, redshirt freshman, and then yep. he only played one football game in 2020. I think he needs to play, man. I think he needs live bullets. I don't think it's a thing where, like, I don't think it's – I think between the ears, he's 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 good. I think that he can handle it. I think that he can handle going through some peaks and valleys. I think that he can handle that type of stuff. I sure. want to see him play football because I just don't think he's played enough. I need to see those live bullets. Like, I think he's – I think he just needs to play, if that makes sense. So, I, just, sense. I, I want to see him. Dev, what 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 was your thoughts on Mr. Trey Lance? Do you think that he needs to play week one? Do you think he needs to sit? What do you think the outlook realistically is for him? Um, I mean, I want him to play because I, I I truly think, you know, if he can put it all together, he gives the 49ers a, a chance that, you know, can he can really kind of change that organization. Um, and, you know, watching the game, obviously he made those big throws, but, you know, you see some things like he's getting fooled by, you know, uh, you know, kind of disguise coverages early on, but he's such a quick learner. I think you you're gonna see him early on these, and I don't think he's gonna start week one. But I bet by probably week six or seven, they're gonna be like, "There's no way we can keep this guy on the bench the entire season." Um, so my my thing, my guess is that Jimmy G plays probably the first four or five games, and then eventually they hand Trey Lance the keys, and, and he never gets it back. Love it. I love it. And then we have the fourth first round quarterback, Justin Fields, who had some nice moments in his debut as well. Showed his athleticism on that touchdown run. Very strong, physical, athletic kid who has a live arm. Um, I'll start this one, I guess. I, man, originally I was like, okay, Andy Dalton's a solid bridge. Like, you know, let Justin Fields get acclimated a little bit. Brother, I I don't know. The flashes I've seen of Justin Fields, he's another guy. Like, I just want to see him play. 
Like this is, and, and I will separate this because that is selfish of me that I just, I don't want to see Andy Dalton play. Like, I just, I, like for me, I want to see him play. Like I don't want to see Andy Dalton play. Like that's a very selfish thing. I mean, in reality, I do think Andy Dalton's going to start the year as a starting quarterback for a few games. I do think that that's going to happen. I, so the reality is I think he's going to have to wait and learn a little bit and have that acclimation, acclimatization process. But Man, I really don't want to see Andy Dalton play quarterback anymore. So that's just kind of my thoughts real quick. James, am I wrong? No. Um, ultimately, I mean, based on what he did, I think you can play him week one. Because at the end of the day, he can move, avoid, and he can improv. Now, there was another quarterback drafted in the first round a few years ago that was very similar that way that, like, there were times you watch him play, it'd be like, ooh, ooh, that's really bad. But then because he could run, he had some competitiveness to him, and he could throw on the move, you always had a chance. His name was Andrew Luck. So I, I think this guy has the capacity to play very early, but I think they're going to go ahead and let Dalton, you know, you know kind of bust some champagne off this ship. Let it get to see a little bit, and then Justin Fields will take over. I think I think he's he's the guy of the future. Period. All right, Devin, is it unanimous? Um, I'm I'm a disagree. I I think you should start Justin Fields week one. I, I think there's no point in waiting at this point because Andy Dalton is he's going to win you maybe a couple games. You know, I don't think as him with him being the starter, I don't think they're even close to a playoff team. So I think you might as well rip the Band-Aid off and, and go ahead and start Justin Fields and just go ahead and get the, the process rolling at this point and, and just have kind of any down there in the wings, you know, if Fields goes down and gets hurt. Because, uh, you know, kind of his play style may, you know, see him get hurt at some point because he, he is a big dude who likes to run the football. So, you know, we kind of seen that kind of be an issue sometimes with kind of those dual threat quarterbacks. But I think Fields go ahead and start him week one. Um, to me, I, I just don't have the point in, in sitting him and in, in trying to delay this process. And see, my, my one thing that I'm a little curious on is Matt Nagy is – his seat's a little hot, you know, and, and I feel like this could be a make it or break it year for him as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. So I'm curious to see – if this coaching staff thinks that Andy Dalton gives them a baseline of being a more competitive football team because he's just kind of been there, done that. Maybe he doesn't kill you with a bad decision. I'm a little curious to see that aspect. That's why I'm a little hesitant on it. But, I I mean, again, I want to see Justin Fields play. I don't want to see Andy Dalton play anymore. Like, I've seen enough Andy Dalton for a long time. Like, he's a solid, like, he's passable. He's fine. Like He's, he's credible. He's credible. He's all around credible. He's you know, acceptable. He's acceptable. Yeah. But Fields has a chance. I think Fields can make them dynamic. The question is, will Fields make the kind of decisions that allow you to keep the keep the chains moving, play in and play out? This guy's open here, hit him. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. And, and with that defense, the Bears still have a good defense. So when you have a good defense, you don't want to put them in bad situations. Like you want them to stay right. firm. You don't want to turn the football over like – Keep that defense a strength. So, See, interesting you're, one. You're making the case for Andy Dalton. I am. Well, I'm saying, I think Andy Dalton's going to start. I think he's going to start the start. I think it's going to happen. But then when the Bears are like three and five, they'll be like, 
Yeah. All right, man. What what do we yeah. do? We're good. We're I don't good. I don't think Trevor's off though. I don't, I don't think Trevor's off. I think he makes a good point. You know, he may say he may say, man, forget it, man. This dude feels got a chance to really, really change the game for us. So we'll see. So we have yeah, we have one rookie quarterback left. Devin, I'm gonna start here with you for the one that I find the most interesting because it's just a weird weird combination of players, right? Like we're starting with Cam Newton, who is like the Justin Fields mold that we talked about, right? Like big physical, athletic, strong arm. Like that's Cam Newton back in the day when he was with the Carolina Panthers. Like the dude was built in a lab, 6'5", 240 plus pounds. Like he is yeah. not your typical looking quarterback, right? And let's call it what it is. Injuries, I feel like, have tarnished everything for him. Like he, there's just not a lot of juice left in that arm. He's still a good athlete. He's still physical. I mean, they're running like a high school offense, right? Like they're running quarterback power, quarterback counter. Like they're like, all right, we're just going to use what, what you have that's left in the tank. So we have that. And then we have Mac Jones, who you're never going to run quarterback power with ever in your entire life. Like he fits what I don't, I mean, I'm never going to compare him to Tom Brady, but like stylistically, he's way closer to what Belichick has had in Tom Brady than what Cam Newton has. And I just find it hysterical sure. looking at those players next to each other, stylistically polar opposites. And mm-hmm. I know Mac Jones did some solid stuff. Like, you know, nothing was pushing the ball downfield. He had that one drop touchdown that was a nice bucket throw down the sideline, which, you know, was good to see. But then we have a diminishing Cam Newton bringing him back for one more year, the assumed bridge. Devin, I don't know if it is is a slam dunk that Cam Newton's the starting quarterback week one. What is your thoughts? Uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk either, but I also don't think Mac Jones will end up starting uh, week one. I think he's going to play this year uh, for sure because I, I don't think – I just think the, the Patriots are – I kind of feel like they're just not going to be as good as people think they are. You know, I think they're still going to struggle on – on the offensive side of the ball. They got t- two tight ends, but they're both injured right now. Uh, the receiving position really didn't get massive upgrades and, and super, you know, supreme, uh, you know, playmakers on the outside. So I think it's going to come to the point where basically Cam Newton just does – he basically has become the shell of himself. And probably by week nine or ten, you throw on Mac Jones and just ride it out the rest of the time and obviously – Mac Jones takes over, but I don't think he starts week one. I think probably a little bit after that midway point of the season, if things aren't going their way, you throw a Mac Jones and just just let him ride it out the rest of the season. James, I'm going to say a sequence of numbers for you real quick. Can you tell me what I'm talking about? Are you ready for this? Okay. 51, 64, and 1. What do those numbers mean? 51, 64, and 1. No, that is not lottery numbers. Is that is that Belichick's record without Tom Brady? That's Belichick's <laughs> record without Tom Brady. You got it. <laughs> that is his record without Tom Brady. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, this, this ain't a hobby, but um, <laughs> but um, I absolutely think it's a slam dunk. The camps the starter. Uh, I like what Mac Jones did. I thought he showed really good competence and poise. Um, when I watched the when I watched the tape, you saw him basically. He was just taking what the defense gave, and, and I think that's what that's what Belichick and uh, Josh McDaniels like. Now, 
you lose the running piece of it altogether. Like he can't run at all. So honestly, you know, he kind of looked like Matt Castle. He looked looked more like Matt Castle than Tom Brady to me. But I think (laughs) the thing that kills Cam Newton, you know, what loses the starting job for him if this happens is if he ends up being a guy that turns the ball over and puts them in bad positions, then yeah. it, it, the change will be in, inevitable. It'll be it'll be right now. So uh, I think it's his job to lose. As long as he takes care of business, takes care of the football, uh, executes the offense, I think he'll, he'll, he'll be the starter. That's a unanimous one for us. I do also think that Cam Newton is going to be the starter to start the season. Going to wrap us up here. We always have a, hey, spotlights, leave us with something to think about type of thing. Uh, leaving with you guys something to think about. want to send good thoughts to Mr. David Turner, who is dealing, obviously, with a little bit of health issues. So I want to wish him well recovering. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll have him back next week. I want to thank both of you, both Devin Jackson and Mr. James Kirkland, for popping on here tonight. Really appreciate it. Dev, you are the first time on Mav Sports Take, so I'm going to let you have – what do you want to leave the people with here tonight? Um. So uh, as I talked to you before the show um, – uh, Roy Countryman, he put together this project where uh, all 32 teams uh, are covered. Uh, basically, you look at their depth chart, uh, roster spots, who's going to make the 53-man roster, um, you know, kind of the decision makers, you know, kind of a team summary. So uh, the Prospect Encyclopedia is something that he put all together. Uh, I have four teams in that, and uh, we're going to have a show uh, later tonight night to talk a little bit about that uh but for those who want to check it out um you can can uh, go follow him on twitter uh, his name is Roy countryman and you know prospect encyclopedia i believe it's prospect encyclopedia.com you can uh, get that and then uh you can get all four sections of of the teams i did i did the titans the cardinals the saints uh, and the dolphins uh by putting the promo code Devin jackson uh, you can get those four teams for free, and the Bucks come for free as well. So uh, if you guys want to check that out, uh, that'd be greatly appreciated. Yeah, while I was with NFL Draft Bible, Roy was putting out the product there originally. Now he's kind of doing it by himself, off to the side, but a lot of work that has gone through, not only with him, but with Devin and some others. Um, so, James, ending us. I think it's like, what, your fifth time on? Fourth time on? I don't know. You're, you're definitely oh. our most frequent guest. So let us end us with something, my friend. Uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, man, just tackle football is life. I love it, and you know, I, I don't have I don't have any poignant statement for the night. <laughs> so, so I leave that to you, creative minds. Um, you know, but I'm glad to be on here. Hopefully, my man Dave will. Um, square up here shortly. Um, yeah. You know it's tough when you when you you know when your health is breaking down on you. So hopefully it'll be square up. I'm praying for him. Everybody out there, pray for my man Dave. Right. Yep. Yep. And everybody out there, we appreciate you for take for coming along with the ride, talking some ball, talking some 2022 NFL draft prospects, talking some rookie quarterbacks, talking some college football. <laughs> we truly do appreciate it. If you can give us a like, a share, a retweet, a subscription. Hey, um, just give us a little rating. Give us anything. We appreciate it so much here at Mavs. Show us some love. 
show us some love, baby. That's all it is, man. MaverickSportsConsulting.com. We are signing off here tonight. Make sure to uh, stay with us next week, same time, same place. Hopefully, we'll have David Turner back. But before then, we appreciate everybody, as always, for joining the live stream. Talk to you all again next week. of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.